One of the things that we as a family say, and we say this phrase when uh, something significant happens in our lives, uh, birth of a grandchild, first time they walk, first time they say Papa D, you know, <laughs> I love you Papa D, you know, what a, it's not about me, but it's, this could be anything, but this is a little phrase we say in our family or send out in the group text, we'll say big day, big day, something significant's happened, we'll just say, I'll say on the group text, y'all, you kids don't, but anyhow, that's fine, it's my phrase maybe, big day, big day, something significant has happened. In the story of the Bible, and God's big story that we've been working through this, this year, um, we come to one of those big days, and it is the day of Pentecost. Uh, we started oh, weeks ago into the New Testament and the ministry of Jesus. We have worked through uh, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. Byron last week covered uh, the, I think, the ascension. I don't know if you talk much about the ascension, but the commission of Jesus that they were to go into all the world and take the gospel. And 10 days after Jesus' ascension, this is what Luke records of the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. It'll either be on the screen or you can look at it in your Bible. This is how Luke records that big day in the church's life and in the one big story. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they are full of new wine. Verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. And Luke records his sermon about Jesus and he comes to the end of that sermon in verse 32. You can go and read that, the rest of his sermon, some other time. But this is how he concludes in verse 32. This Jesus, God, has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, 
And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. There are three simple truths that jump out at me from this story. It is God's time, God's power, and God's harvest. God's time, God's power, God's harvest. The first thing that strikes me about the story is in verse 1. When it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together, they were all with one accord in one place. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. One of the aspects of the story that it communicates, it was God's time. God has a sense of time. And it's included in that phrase when it said, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. That seems to be a strange concept. But what it speaks of is the anticipation that God had had that this was to be his time when he did something. It was going to be a big day. And it's almost as if God had waited for it. It's, it's the same sense that was in his mind that Jesus communicated uh, to the apostles at the end of his time. This is re- uh, included in, in Luke 24, 49. Jesus says to those after his his resurrection he says behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power on high so Jesus is crucified at the feast of Pentecost the Sunday after that he's raised from the dead there are 50 days between Passover in Pentecost, in fact, Pentecost is, sim- is simply a Greek word that means 50. It is 50 days from Passover. Passover, 50 days later, Pentecost. Jesus, after the resurrection, is with the disciples 40 days. And so there are 10 days in there. They are huddled in the upper room. They are waiting. What was God waiting for? He was waiting for his time. It was a time that was determined Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before, if not from the foundations of the world. And this is hard for you to grasp, hard for me to grasp. 
But there's two significances to the, to, uh, the Feast of Pentecost. In fact, there are three feasts that God at Mount Sinai gave Moses. He said, this will be the first month, Pentecost, I'm sorry, Passover, it's going to fall on this month, on this day, and this is what you're going to do. And 50 days later, you're going to have another feast. It's going to be called First Fruits or whatever he called it in the book of Exodus. And then in the fall, there's going to be the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths, Trumpets, in gathering. There's several names there. Three feasts. Jesus died on, Pente- in, on Passover. Fifty days later, uh, the Spirit is poured out on Pentecost, and God had it all planned. Pentecost commemorated the giving of God's law on Mount Sinai. Historically, that's what it meant. Fifty days after they left Egypt, they got to Mount Sinai, and God gave them the law, and the Jews all those years, every year, would celebrate Pentecost. It was the day that God gave Moses the law. (laughs) The other thing, though, seasonally, what it communicated was it was the first part of the harvest. It was the first fruits. They had planted uh, uh, crops, and these were the first, first fruits. So the giving of the law and first fruits. God is an amazing God. Because he had all this plan from the very beginning. And what the prophets began to say was that in the future, God is going to give you a new law. And he's not going to write it on tablets of stone. He's going to write it with his spirit on your heart. He's going to put his word, his spirit, and his word in you. The law is not going to be on tablets. It's going to be inside of you. And so here is this uh, feast that they have celebrated all these years that commemorates the giving of the law and God, the prophets have spoken about this of God putting his law in your heart through his spirit. What day would God do that on? (laughs) Duh! He had it all planned. This is Pentecost, the day of Pentecost in the New Testament. It's the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Do you get it? But the other thing that God in his mind had planned was it was a seasonal feast, uh, yes, that was of the first fruits. This just amazes me. The first fruits that would come to faith in Jesus Christ after the works of redemption of the cross and the resurrection. When were the first fruits? It was the 3,000 souls that were saved that day. The first fruits. God said, no, this is not a material harvest and we'll talk about that harvest here in just a minute this is a this is a spiritual harvest i'm going to tell you something in secret today don't quote me on this i don't want to be that guy on facebook that said that is quoted as saying our pastor told us when jesus is going to come again i'll give you an indication of when jesus is coming again i don't know the year and i don't know the day but i know the month do you understand i don't have time for this this morning Jesus died on the cross as a fulfillment of Passover on the day of Passover. God sends the Spirit on the day of Pentecost to fulfill that feast. The third major feast, do you get it? Was tabernacles, booths, but it in gathering. 
it was the final, it was the feast of the final harvest. I, don't, I think it's the seventh month in the Jewish calendar on the tenth day. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you. No, it, God's going to do it. It's going to be in the fall of the year, I can just tell you. So, and we're in that time now. But after the fall finishes, then just calm down. He's not going to come in November or December or any time before that. I don't, I'm being a little bit facetious, but I'm telling you, no. It, it makes all the sense in the world that God is fulfilling all of those Old Testament things by the works of redemption uh, through Jesus Christ. God's timing is not by chance. He has a perfect timing, and it fulfills God's perfect plan. Their experience on the day of Pentecost fulfilled the Old Testament. He put the new law through his spirit in their hearts, and the first converts were coming, commemorating the giving of the law and the first fruits. I want you to know in your personal lives that God also has a timing. If God is so meticulous in his sense of timing and how he carries out his plan, he will also do that in your life. His plans started years in advance. God was setting it all up. And the same is true in your life if you have made your story a part of his one big story. Now, if you have chosen to have your own plan and to do what you want to do, I don't know about timing. I don't know how those plans are going to come out. I don't know. But what I want you to know is God has a perfect timing. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you commit yourself to say, no, my story is really not about me, it's about him, and that I am committing my life, that I'm going to give to that one big story of what God is doing redemptively uh, through history until Jesus comes again, that if you will commit to that, God's timing will be perfect in your life won't be on your time scale I can assure you of that because that's what God teaches me he's going to jerk my string I was reading this week in the life of Joseph and uh, God gives him dreams at 17 years of age God does not fulfill those dreams until he is 37 years old 20 years later but it was God's perfect time if you will commit your story to be about God's story, God will have a perfect timing to carry out his perfect plan in your life. Amen? Amen. The second part of the story is God's power. God demonstrates his power on the day of Pentecost in an incredible way. and You can read those verses again. Uh, but the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit was supernaturally demonstrated by outward manifestations. There was wind, there were tongues of fire, there were tongues speaking in other languages. It was something they heard, they felt, they saw. There was an outward manifestation. God wanted the people to know that he had showed up. This was not a warm fuzzy in their heart that went, oh, I think I felt a sense of the Holy Spirit in my heart in church this morning. Oh, I just felt something inside. I feel all warm now. No, this was like an outward manifestation of, 
of the glory and the coming of, of God's power through the Holy Spirit. And you can see all that. It had such an effect that the people of that day said, what is this? What is going on? The tongues that are re referred to here and later in the New Testament, it's maybe not as clear in the works of Paul and, and uh, some of the missionary journeys that, that Paul experienced. But here, tongues are known languages for the people of that day to hear God's glory in their own local dialect. And we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But the thing that amazes me at this point in the story of God's power is that the work of redemption had been done. Jesus had died on the cross. He had been raised from the dead. He had commissioned the apostles. He had ascended to the Father. And they sat in the upper room waiting. I'm thinking everything is there. What is lacking? They've been told to go into all the world and preach the gospel. But they're sitting in the upper room because Jesus said, wait. Because you will be endued with power from on high. Do you understand that apart from the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, they came up short. Jesus had died. He had been resurrected. He had died for our sins. He had been raised in power to show that he had everlasting life. He had ascended. He had commissioned them. He had given them. Uh, he had ascended to the Father. He gave them their marching orders. What they needed was power. And God sent it in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the thing that shocks me about the story is the transformation that happened in them and through them and the one person that's the poster child of transformation was Simon Peter. The guy who 50 days before this, when the servants and the little servant girl, when they were trying, Jesus said, are you one of his disciples? He said, no. He said it not once, not twice, but three times. And 50 days later, when the Spirit comes, it is Peter that stands. I've got a picture. I've been to the Holy Lands. Shock. There is, there is a historical place. It's the southern steps of the temple. If we can show that picture. And uh, maybe not. Did y'all get that? No, I didn't get Okay, I, I sent that before I left for Africa, but who knows what happened there. But on the southern steps of the temple, which is the closest uh, entry point from where the historical spot of the upper room was, they came to these steps, and Peter would have preached. And here's the, here's the thing that gets me. Peter, who cowered in fear just days before this, when the Spirit of God comes upon him, he stands and he preaches, and he said, this is what I want to tell you. He says it not once, but he says it twice about Jesus. He says, who you crucified. Dude, you're going to get in trouble that way. Think about what you're saying. They killed him. What do you think they're going to do to you? Bro, keep it low, man. Don't be crazy here. They're crucifying people for saying those things. I think the other apostles are going, oh, 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 bro. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to be a part of this. No, it's amazing. Like in your face. <laughs> Telling them you're... You killed him, but God raised him from the dead. He is Lord. He is Christ. Man, there was power there. 
And the power came from the Holy Spirit that fell upon them and did a work not only in them, but did a work through them. Wow. I want you to know this morning that our inward transformation is always for God's outward purposes. Our inward transformation is always for God's outward purposes. I, I think we get off here. I think we misunderstand it. On your sheet that I pass out, I have uh, different the roles of the Holy Spirit and the things that the Holy Spirit does in convicting us of sin and teaching us truth and all those things. And those are all good. But it is moving towards a purpose that the gospel might be proclaimed. Don't ever think that God is doing a work in you for that sake alone. He is not teaching you truth from the Bible for your benefit only. He is teaching you the truth of the Bible that you might proclaim that to others. God does a work in us that he might do a work through us. In fact, I would make the contention if the work of God stops inside of you, someday it will stop altogether. Because God did not design you to keep it inside. He designed it to flow through you to others. The transformation of the Christians was for the benefit that the gospel might be proclaimed. And that's exactly what they did. The role of the Holy Spirit is ultimately to empower us to witness, not keep it inside. Finally, in the story, what I notice is God's harvest. Uh, the Holy Spirit so came upon them that they spilled into the streets out of the upper room. Uh, uh, there's a historical spot of the upper room close to the tomb of David. Almost looked like it was upstairs from David's tomb, but I don't think that's possible. But the closest place to the Temple Mount were these southern steps. And uh, they're the steps from the time of Jesus. Jesus would have walked up these steps, the apostles. But they said this was the spot when Peter had to address the crowd on the day of Pentecost. He stood on those southern steps. And uh, going, okay, okay. And our tour guide said to us, he said, you realize why they were here? No. He said, because it's an entry point to the temple, and there are a whole series of uh, baptistries, in essence, we would say, washing pools for the people who came to do ceremonial washings. Wow. So you say, how do they baptize 3,000 people that day? Because they came to the southern steps and there's this whole series of these baptismal containers where the, the people that were coming to the temple would have washed. And those apostles would have baptized all those people. When Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus. But they spill into the streets and they begin to proclaim the message and the thing, the other part about God's timing is why that day? Because people from all, oh, oh there's the southern steps, yes, that's it. You, those big rocks on the left, on the right, are, uh, are 
that part of that structure which are those baptismal pools but Peter would have stood there and he would have preached um, but the reason it was that day is because people from all over the world in fact he the, Luke makes this point there were people from everywhere Jews all over the known world that came to that place why did God give the gift of tongues that day which were known languages because they could have just talked in Hebrew or Greek and people would have understood or Aramaic I'm sorry Aramaic or Greek no God said I'm gonna speak in your local dialect so that you'll know this gospel is not just for people like us it's for people of all over the world and so it was all nations that's the they they'd gathered there from all around the ancient world to come to that place and so in the story of re, of redemption in the Bible the story narrows to the Jews in the time of Abraham that's that's Genesis 12 we're in the New Testament now all the way back the story narrows to the Jews and it stays in that lane until the day of Pentecost and it's like no, this isn't just for the Jews. This is for the, all people of all time. He's the Savior of the world. This gospel is for everybody. And we're going to have to talk about that in the next couple of weeks because they still don't get it. But God was visibly demonstrating that the gospel is for all the world. And so there were people from all over the world. And the story now broadens on the day of Pentecost to all nations. And such an incredible harvest that they went from 120 into the upper room to 3,120 because there were 3,000 that were baptized that day. Isn't that amazing? But here's the point of the story about God's harvest. God will bring a harvest when the gospel is shared in the power of the Holy Spirit. And really before this time, not all the pieces were in place, but the work of redemption had been done. The cross, the resurrection, the commissioning, the ascension, and now you infused it with power of the Holy Spirit. You realize 2,000 years later, none of those pieces have changed. Everything I just said to you is still true today. The work of redemption has been done in the cross and the resurrection. The commission is the same to us as it was to those first ones 2,000 years ago. And Jesus has ascended the Father. He, let me tell you today, he still sits on the throne at the right hand of the Father. And when people are saved, he gives out the Holy Spirit. And I guess it could happen like this sometime. This is quite remarkable. But God gives his Holy Spirit. We have the gospel we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you today, the truth is still the same. When the gospel is shared in the power of the Holy Spirit, God will bring a harvest. I've seen it in Africa. I've seen it in Huntington, Texas. And you know what it seems to be? Here, here's, here's, I think, where our catching point. And then I'm finished. It's about me every day 
walking in the power of God's Spirit and speaking with my mouth the words of life. Everything's still in place. God said, I've called you to be witnesses. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Huntington, Texas was the ends of the earth for those people in that day, let me just assure you. 2,000 years ago, the circumstances are still the same. Everything is still in place. And I believe, I know, that if we were faithful day by day to those that we encountered, to share the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I understand. No, God would send a harvest. I understand. It's probably not going to be as remarkable as the day of Pentecost. That's all right. That's God's responsibility. The third point was it is God's harvest, not Brother Darrell's harvest. Could I challenge you this week to live out Pentecost in your life? by sharing the story and the power of the Holy Spirit to those that you encounter. And we can come back next week and celebrate the harvest. Amen? Amen. God's timing, God's power, God's harvest. If you would stand with me this morning, as Brother Shane comes and as you bow your heads, I want to pray just a moment for this time of commitment invitation the altar will be open uh, Byron and I'll be at the front if you want somebody to pray with you if you want to talk to somebody about what it means to commit your life to Jesus Christ uh, but Jesus died for our sins he was raised in power and through his Holy Spirit he brings transformation to our life purpose meaning and man the amazing thing is that when I make his story if I put my story in his story and say his story is more important than my story, God will do amazing things. And so today, I don't know where you are in your journey or what commitments you need to make, but the altar will be open. Byron and I will be at the front. Uh, man, if you need to start that journey, or maybe if you got sidetracked in the midst of that journey, today is the day you just want to come to the altar and say, God, I just need to get back on track. I need to make your story the biggest part of my life. So, Father, we give you this time. Pray that you would use it for your glory. And that, Father, you would lead us and guide us. And, uh, Father, we would continue to step forward with what you've called us to do. And we pray it in Jesus' name. i